Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hello, Connection Point. Doing okay today? I hope. Oh. Well, it's good we're talking about friendship because you all need some, apparently. Nobody has a friend today. But we're in part two of a series called Let's Be Friends, and uh, this was kind of cool, speaking of friendship. So like two, maybe two weeks ago or so, um, this really sweet gentleman came up to me after the service, and, uh, and he said, um, I've got a gift for you. Oh, that's so nice. Like, that is just like the Hoosier way I'm finding. You're just such kind, generous folks. And so... Um, he said, it's out in my car, if you don't mind. And so I followed him out to his car. Super long story short, like this is like a dream, like no, no joke. He got me a ride in one of those two-seater Indy cars uh, at, at the Motor Speedway. Now, I have not done it yet. And that was crazy. He's 91 years old. And uh, he's not going to drive, but he's... <laughs> He got me the, the ride, and it was like the coolest thing, because that, seriously, I, I grown up in Long Beach, California, and watching the IndyCar race there every year since I was a little guy, um, they would do those races, those that take people out in them, and I just thought, man, this is cool. Am I even going to fit in there? And uh, it, I know it's going to be fun. I know it's going to be fast. Um, the moms are probably asking, is it safe? You know, I don't know. I really don't. I don't really care because the fun and the fast trumps the safe at this point. But I'll be looking forward to it. I know, though, it's going to be safe because there's some safe person that's in charge of the whole thing. And safe people have designed the cars and the gear that you wear. Much less than who you are in the car with uh, is a safe professional driver. And that makes all the difference got me thinking about friendships and what we're talking about for a little while and um, wondering if you ever had the opportunity to be around somebody that's safe and you had to rely on them for a particular moment, particular season, and that safe person protected you or they got you through, they helped you out. Probably all of us had some moment like that. Also wonder if you've ever considered could you be a safe person or maybe a safe haven for someone in a way that would really change the trajectory of the rest of their lives? I believe with every fiber of my being that Christians should be safe people. Not everybody's safe, are they? Some people aren't safe, and you can just kind of feel it right away. Other people you find out aren't safe uh, too late, you know, a few months in. can be particularly damaging and hurtful. They're harsh, they're mean, they're judgmental, they're angry, they're manipulators, they're fake, they're selfish, they're prideful, whatever it is. But Christian people, I believe we should be the safest people of all people. And when we're safe 
people, I think that's when we can have deep friendships. Because I think there's something that just says, okay, you're safe, I'm safe. Now we can actually go the distance. We can go deep. We can really get to know each other. And when we share stuff that's below the surface, I know it's safe to do so. The scriptures speak so much about our relationships and qualities and characteristics that define our friendships. And I also think qualities and characteristics, some of the things that we should do and be and some of the things that we shouldn't do and things that we should avoid that help us become better friends, help us become safer people. I'd like to read a handful of them to you. If you got your Bible, you can kind of follow along. They'll be also on screen. We'll be in Philippians, we'll be in Colossians, we'll be in Proverbs, and then be in 1 Peter. But as I read, I'd love for you to just kind of pick out these qualities, these characteristics that define people of God or should. And just think about yourself. Allow God, as we did before, just to evaluate our hearts and our relationships through his filter of the word. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. You hear the unity there? Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others. And then verse five, perfect summary. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. There's a lot of good qualities there. What I love about this and the rest of these verses we're gonna look at this morning, you don't need like a seminary degree to understand that, do you? You don't need a Greek dictionary, a Hebrew dictionary open. I don't even know that you really even need to believe that there is a God or that this is his word, even though this is his word and there is a God, to understand this. What we understand by experience and our own journey is pride separates, humility brings together. We see that all over the place. And this is such a beautiful picture. You guys, if we operated the way that it says right here, even 60% of the time, would your relationships deepen? If we were more humble, if we looked out for others, we valued others more, would your friendships deepen in in a new way? I think so. Would people maybe regard you as a safer person if we operated as God's word says? Now, I'm, gonna, I'm, tell you, I'm a little biased because this is my favorite chapter in the scriptures. And uh, so much so that my Bible's worn out in this particular chapter. There's a hole in it <laughs> because I, I can't seem to get this through my thick skull. 
but I desperately want it to get it through here and down to here and then outward into my relationships. Colossians chapter three, the New Living Translation, NIV is what we just read, New Living, I I like some of the nuances of how it put it in Colossians chapter three. Again, listen to some of the qualities that we should possess. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must Clothe yourselves, here they come, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Whoa-oh. And forgive anyone who offends you. Double whoa-oh. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Triple, uh uh-oh, and so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. If we not just heard the word of God, but put it into practice, we weren't just hearers, but we were doers of this right here, would our friendships deepen if we were kinder, humbler, more patient, et cetera, et cetera. I, I believe so. There's so much right here we can put into practice and see God deepen our relationships and make us safer people in the process. Sometimes the word speaks to things that we should avoid or, or not do that are also helpful to us if we would avoid or not do. Proverbs, back in the Old Testament. These are so good, I love these. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28 It says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. It's true. You could testify to that. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19 says, a gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. I love that. It's so great. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13, same theme. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Now, in this case, if we avoided gossip and slander and sharing private stuff that maybe someone else has shared with us in a shameful moment or a hurting moment or a dark moment, and we were instead trustworthy with what they shared, even 60% of the time, I think that would deepen our friendships, much less I think we should do it all the time. And you'll be a safer person when you do. First Peter chapter four, great verse just right from Peter here. God inspired, above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, God inspired this, but Peter is the one who authored it. And he says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. My goodness, that is so true. Peter wrote this. Peter was someone who denied even knowing Jesus 
Peter was a friend of Jesus, is a friend of Jesus, and he, right at crunch time, lets his friend Jesus down, and yet, Peter received the restoration of Jesus. Peter experienced continued friendship with Jesus. This faithful Jesus came back around to Peter and said, hey, Peter, that was not a great moment. That was hurtful to me. It was hurtful to our relationship, but I love you anyway. And I've still got a mission and a purpose for you. I'm going to restore you, even though you sinned and against me. I've still got something for you. And so for him to say, love covers a multitude of sins, it's coming straight from a place that he had actually experienced himself. How much the love of Jesus covered even his own sin. And now in the same way that Jesus has loved us, we're supposed to love each other. This isn't rocket science, but the gap between what we know to be true in God's word and our ability to put it into practice, that's what's tough. But when it comes to friendships, if we want to have deep friendships and be safe people, then we must embrace God's call on the type of people we ought to be. And then we will become safe people to whom people are drawn and we are drawn. So it kind of begs the question then, how, how do we become a safe person? And, and I would like to walk through a handful of things here. I, I would say wholeheartedly that deep friendships are most possible with safe people. So how do I become one? Well, thanks for asking. There are four things that I want to share that I think are descriptors of safe people. Last week when we kind of evaluated our friendships, it could have come both ways, you or the friends that you have. This week, I would really invite you to just kind of focus in on you. Uh, Allow this time for the Lord to process out with you, am I a safe person? And here's a handful of things that I think safe people say or put into practice. As we go through each four, you can kind of process that and see. So uh, how do you become a safe person? Process this one first. One, I value people for who they are. Safe people will value people for who they are. So think about that just for you. I value people for who they are. Well, what's that mean? Here's what I mean. See, safe people will say, um, I value you just because you're you. I value you for who you are, not for what you do for me, not for the money that you have, not for the fame that you have, not for the position or title that you have, not for how you're going to make me feel or I'm going to look better being attached to you. I don't care about any of that. I value you for you. I've got no ulterior motives. I just value you, why? Because you're a fellow human being made in the image of God. Isn't that enough? I think so. So process it. I value people for who they are. 
You know, it takes selfless people to value others in general, much less to value others better than yourself like Philippians was talking about. It takes selflessness to do that. You know, nobody here or nobody on the planet is better than anybody else. Amen, right on, woohoo, that is a true statement. There is no one who is better than anybody else. But what God's inviting us to is something kind of beautiful. What Philippians is inviting us to is this. What if we treated other people around us just as if they were better rather than worse? We would value them, esteem them, honor them, respect them. Bring value, add value, give value. That's what safe people do. I value others just for who they are. Number two, process this between you and the Lord. How to be a safe person? Safe people say, I accept people where they're at. I accept people right where they're at. This is tough. I'm going to be real honest. This one is a tough one for multiple reasons. Personalize it, though, just for yourself. Have you ever entered into a moment, a relationship, a situation where you didn't feel like you could be yourself for fear of being judged? Maybe it was just a personality thing that's kind of about you, and you dialed it back or changed it because you just knew they wouldn't accept you if you were this or that. Or maybe it's a sin struggle. Maybe you go, this is an issue that I know I deal with. If I'm vocal about this, I can't be honest about that because I know they will not accept me. This is a tough issue today because there's been a change, I would say, in the last 10 to 20 years. It's probably been going on for a long time, but I've noticed it the most in the last 10 to 20 years. Here's the big change, at least in our culture, that I've noticed. Acceptance and approval used to be two different things. Now in our culture, there's a massive blur between acceptance and approval. We've made them almost the same thing. Biblically speaking, and I think for the health of all of us, they're actually two different things. I can accept anyone just because they're a fellow human being made in the image of God and yet not have to necessarily approve of what they do. Jesus was so good at this. He was masterful at this. Jesus could approve of of people that were doing things that were healthy and godly and not hurting them and not hurting other people and not approve of things that were not healthy and hurting them or hurting other people. He could accept people right where they're at, saying, I accept you without having to approve of what you do. Because what you're doing, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill somebody else. It's hurting your relationship with a God that loves you. But Jesus had this masterful way of saying, but that doesn't mean we can't be friends. I can accept you. And we can walk in friendship or relationship over a long period of time and you might not change your behavior or change your mind, but I can still accept you 
even though we disagree. Remember when you could disagree with someone? What happened to that? But anymore, it's so difficult. You know, these concepts of bearing with one another, making allowances for each other's faults, accepting one another, those are biblical principles. And Jesus modeled it for us. I've got this dear friend named Stephen. We've been friends for over 15 years. I'll tell you right now, I really deeply love Stephen. Stephen got invited to our college ministry years ago, and who brought him invited him over to the group and uh, introduced him to me. Stephen didn't have a relationship with God and was walking a particular life path of journey that um, brought a ton of challenges with it. And we met and just kind of casually just said, it's super good to meet you, Stephen. If you ever want to grab coffee or lunch or whatever, just, you know, let me know. And he said, oh, okay. Two months went by, I'd never saw Stephen again. But after a couple of months, he made his way back and he came up and he seemed kind of nervous and he said, Ron, you mentioned coffee a little while ago. Would you, I, I don't know if you would, it's okay if not, but would you be able to get coffee sometime? I said, yeah, that's great. So we set the time and the place. I showed up at the coffee shop. I got there early. I'm waiting for, for Stephen to come. Just wanted to hear about his story. Now, this is what happened. Stephen would have to relay what happened to me later. That day, Stephen showed up at the coffee shop. He got out of his car. He walked to the door of the coffee shop. He put his handle of the door to the coffee shop, and he was terrified to take a step inside and have a conversation with a Christian who also happened to be a pastor. So terrified that he let go of the door, turned around, got back in his car, and he drove away. He got two, three blocks away. And he said, something just made me pull over. And I turned around and he came back. He turned around and he came back. He got out of his car. He went to the door a second time and was still too scared to go in. He got back in his car and drove this time two or three miles away before he turned around and made his way all the way back. He got back this time. He came in. He sat down. And we had a two and a half hour coffee together. And I heard his story and heard the journey. Now, that story continues to go on, even today. I am proud to call Stephen a friend, and Stephen is still wrestling through the life journey that he's on. But I still love Stephen, and I can still walk with Stephen. But I'll tell you what, that day that Stephen came to meet for coffee, I'll tell you this. The primary question that was going through Stephen's mind when he was walking in to meet me that day was not, is there a God? The primary question as Stephen walked in that day was not, am I sinning? The primary question that Stephen was asking when he went in to meet that day was, will this guy accept me for who I am? Now that's a tough spot, and it still gets my heart heavy for anyone that would feel that way. 
that would look at believers and go, that's not safe enough. And if they're not safe enough, God probably isn't either. But I think safe people are accepting people. But then here's the deal. Listen carefully. Safe people still call people on to higher and better things. Healthy things, godly things. But they do it from the context of an actual relationship. They do it from the safety of relationship. Where there's trust built up. See, good luck trying to call people out and onto these things with whom we have no trust or no friendship. Friendship is always a way better place from which to operate. Brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially those who don't know Jesus. Now, yes, the word is filled with a number of exhortations to me and you. Don't associate here. Watch out for this. Watch out for those. Watch out for that. And we should be wise in that regard. But... We must begin to learn how to navigate. I can accept you, and yet, over time, have a conversation. There might be something that be on your radar that you maybe have not considered or thought through or processed. And over time, let God use the relationship for you to speak truth and build up. I hesitate to bring it up because I don't want it to be about me, but I, last year, Stephen went into some counseling, and I talked to him about this. He said it was okay to talk about. And the counselor at the end said, um, here's your homework. You need to go talk to any healthy males that you have in your life. And I was the first call. Like, don't we all want to be the first call? Well, that only comes when you're safe. And so we've got to figure out this acceptance piece and learn to navigate the approval part a whole different way than we've been operating. How to be a safe person, number three. Would you be able to say this of yourself? I keep my word to others. See, safe people are trustworthy people. Their yes is yes, their no is no. It's not manipulation. Safe people are trustworthy people. There are going to be people that live by this kind of cool principle that just says, I'm going to talk to you rather than about you. That's a great principle to live by. That you could just say, okay, we're going to rule out any sort of like talking about someone behind their back. If you got an issue, you got a concern, you got trouble, just talk to them. And if you do talk about someone, then make sure it's just building them up or praising them. Because if that gets back to them, then it's all good. And as Christians, we should be safe people who are incredibly trustworthy. Our yes should be yes. Our no should be no. I should be safe enough for you to bring anything to. And that when you open up, what you say here stays here. Especially if it's shameful or dark or a moment of regret or whatever. We should be an iron trap with that stuff. 
So I keep my word to others. That's my heart. And then number four, how to be a safe person. Could you say this? I humble myself regularly. Yuck. All of these are hard, and I am in a constant state of learning and growth with all four of these, you guys. I don't have these licked. But I find this last one to be the absolute root, the core, the foundation, the most difficult, but perhaps the most important. I humble myself regularly. Safe people are humble people. Safe people are people who are fighting pride and selfishness. They're people that you just look at and they are going to listen more than they talk. They're going to give more than they take. And they're also humble enough to be vulnerable too with their own struggles. Because we're both more inclined to lean into each other when I know you're going to lean back. It's reciprocal. But that takes humility to open up and be vulnerable. Many of us have been hurt when people have taken advantage of that. As many times as many other people have humbled themselves, been vulnerable, and found finally the help that they need or the good friend that they need. Humbling ourselves regularly is the crux. Humility, I think, is the issue for me and you as followers of Jesus. When I look at Jesus, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to define one singular quality or characteristic that sums up all of Jesus, but I'd got to say humility is in the top five. If you forced me to pick, I'd say it's number one. And Philippians chapter two is the diagram of his humility. If you continue to read on verses 6 through 10 of Philippians 2, you find out about his humility. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or taken advantage of. Founding, being found in human likeness, he took the very nature of a servant and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's amazing. That's our Jesus. When humility is present, it's like a magnet. You show me a humble person, I'll show you a safe person. I'll show you someone that's really winsome and dynamic, dynamic that you're magnetically drawn to. Humility can just move mountains. We've got our, our high schoolers on this mission trip right now over in Africa and Iswatini, and I mentioned last week that my son Braddock is a part of that team and got this picture. And um, uh, it just warmed my heart, you know. Felt like my heart was going to leap right through my throat when I saw that. I love my boy and love that opportunity that he and the whole team are having. But then I'm just looking at that picture and I'm just going, my goodness, what, what an image, right? And I started thinking, they just met each other a week ago. How did that happen? They went from being complete strangers to that. 
in a week. How? It's because they're safe. Braddock and the team know they're safe. Those kids know that the team is safe. And that drew them together. How did they go from strangers to that much joy and that much closeness? It's because a team traveled halfway around the world to give themselves away. The team went to serve, not to be served. The team is modeling the humility of Jesus. That reflects a safe person, which leads to deep friendships and fast. So I I want to learn this humility thing more than I have got it down. It's probably going to be a lifelong deal for most of us. And if humility is the key and the crux of being a safe person, and that then leads to have us having deep friendships that I know God cares about, I hope you care about, because that's the real game changer when they're deep. The question is, how do you humble yourself? How do you do it? Well, again, thank you for asking. I think what we need to do is this. We need to pop the pride balloon. We need to adopt Jesus' mindset, and then we need to love each other deeply. Those are from the scriptures that we just read. How do you humble yourself? It turns out that Philippians chapter 2, what we just read, is a roadmap in how to humble yourself. If you put into practice what Philippians chapter 2 says, you will begin to humble yourself when you, like stiff arm pride, when you value others better than yourselves, when you look out for not only your own interests, but the interests of others, when you adopt Jesus' mindset, that's the roadmap to humbling yourself. And so we got to start with popping the pride balloon. Imagine for just a second that this balloon is is you, your pride or your ego, your sense of self, maybe. Now, pride is insidious. Pride is sin. In fact, I believe that pride is the root of just about every sin that there is. And it is the the sin that Lucifer, our enemy, the devil, embodied, embraced the most. It was pride. This, This pride is something that inflates us. It puffs us up. It actually over inflates us. And it does so with all of our accomplishments and our things and our thoughts. And pride just says, I'm better than you, I'm stronger than you, I'm smarter than you. If we want to get at it, I'm better than God, I'm smarter than God, I'm stronger than God. Because pride basically says, I can operate independent of God because I am God. Pride's the root. And if we just keep leaning into that way of thinking and letting those sorts of things and that way of thinking 
inflate our sense of self, it's gonna blow. Before the fall comes pride. And so if we keep going a certain direction, then our pride will have catastrophic effects. You've probably experienced that in your own life, whether it was you or someone around you, and pride was just a runaway train, and then boom, right? It blows up. Pride has a way of doing that, and it destroys you and a whole lot of other people around you oftentimes. Whoa, my goodness. So this is what pride does. It'll inflate you, and uh, when it goes, just fair warning, safety team, fair warning, it's loud when pride goes. I told you, it's, uh, I'm covered in pride shrapnel. I've had so many of those stupid moments in my life where that's been me. I've been around a couple other people where that's been them and then you get blasted too. But we've got to recognize how insidious pride is and then pop the balloon that's why I love the invitation. Like, it doesn't have to get to this. The invitation from the Lord is so humble yourself so that this doesn't happen. Humble yourself so that your life will be better. Not only will you appear safer, you will be safer. And that will lead to a depth of friendship that's just totally different. So we pop the pride balloon, we wrestle with pride, we fight it, we stiff arm it, and then we go to adopt Jesus' mindset. His mindset of sacrifice, his mindset of service, his mindset of humility. And let who he is and what he has said about ourselves fill us up. Rather than letting our stuff our pride, our strength, our arrogance, our me, 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 fill us up. We're gonna let him fill us up. And the cool part about Jesus filling us up is when he fills us up with his truth, his grace, his word, his spirit, he always fills us to the proper amount. It's never overinflated. And walking with Jesus doesn't mean walking around deflated, like a deflated limp balloon all the time. I gotta humble myself, so I'm just this lame. <laughs> That's not humility either. If anything, it's false humility. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less and letting him define you, letting him fill you, letting him give you worth. And when he does, it's always the right amount for today. And now we've got his mindset. This is a healthier place to live. Now we move to the next step of humbling ourselves. And here's the key to continually humbling yourselves. You give yourself away. You associate with people that maybe you wouldn't associate with otherwise. You pour yourself out on behalf of other people.
You let yourself go, pour into other people. That is a humbling act that deflates you in the best way possible all day long, and other people are now the benefit, the beneficiary. Well, now you're back to the empty balloon again. Well, no, that's why you come back to Jesus daily and let him fill you back up. And then you go back to love other people deeply again. Just pour yourself out. And then you replenish with Jesus. Let him fill you back up. Replenish you. And that cycle of stiff-arming pride, coming back to him for his mindset and his heart and his way of being, defining you by how he has defined you. And then... Pouring yourself out, loving each other deeply. It's tiring. It's humbling. But that's the best way to go. And the cool part about that is, the beautiful part about that is, not just the humility that it cultivates, the safety that it develops in you as a person, people just can sense it. Gosh, that's a safe person I can be open with. That's a safe, safe person I can go deep with. Now you're tapping into God's heart for your friendships. Founded in humility and safety and depth. What a beautiful picture of the type of friendships that he has for us. You can be a safe haven for someone else in friendship. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you can be a safe haven in friendship. And maybe even the more special part, when you're a safe person, a humble person, you might just very well be a safe haven for someone who does not yet believe in Jesus. They don't think God's safe, but they know you are. Well, That's a good start, right? That's a good start. And Lord, would you grant me the privilege my entire days to be a safe haven to my brothers and sisters in Christ and even to those who don't believe the same about you that I do. As you are a friend of sinners, help me because I want to do the same. He'll he'll let that love spread like wildfire if we humble ourselves and let him. So gracious Heavenly Father, that's what we're asking for. And thankful first for your patience for us and your kindness to us and your gentleness with us and your willingness to accept us and wade in with us even though you knew what we were into wasn't the best for us. And thank you that you didn't live, leave us that way. Give us wisdom beyond all wisdom for how to operate that out in our friendships. God, I want to be a safe person for people. I would love our church to be filled with a whole bunch of safe people that are just a huge blessing to the brothers and sisters that are here even a huge blessing to a whole bunch of people that aren't here. 
They need friendship with us, but they really, really need friendship with you. So we pray for that too. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.